0: Thanks for joining us on Two Sober Chicks and today we have a great speaker for you this is Don J broadcasting speakers from a meeting on the internet called AA Solution Seekers Beginners meeting So uh good morning family my name is Don Jackson and I am an alcoholic my sobriety date is 926 2001 Um I have a home group I have a sponsor uh, he has a sponsor and by the God's grace, you know, I'm sober today, you know, and first let me introduce the first let me say something else too. you know, happy, happy Easter for everyone who you know, has that, uh, that divine faith or faith in faith in whatever belief that they have. But, uh, you know, what a, what a great day to start, um, on, on, you know, on this wonderful holiday. And so it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing that I have here. If you were here last week, um, You saw my, uh, you saw my sponsor, the buffoon in the, they're the big buffoon in the suit, right? So I'm just a little buffoon in the suit. And, um, and it's, and it's a wonderful, and it's a wonderful opportunity, you know, that, that I get to continue to carry this message and, and be of service to other alcoholics as they begin their journey, as they're, during their journey, you know, and, and as their journey continues, it's, um, it's truly a blessing today. And I really didn't understand those things I'll start out with a couple of, a couple of quick things that, you know, um, about a month ago I was, I was going through a whole series of different, you know, minor health related stuff, like, you know, some borderline depression, low energy, you know, a one C cholesterol, all of these little, this little checklist of stuff, you know, and, 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 um, finally just pushed myself to, or pushed my physicians to be able to give me some type of an answer or a solution. Right. And I didn't, didn't understand that and correlate that till, till, you know, probably about a couple of days ago, but, you know, as part of that, I have what they call Hashimoto's disease, which is uh, hypothyroidism. And, um, I'm sitting in the doctor's office in there and she's like, well, you know, your hormones. And I looked at her and this was in all sincerity and all honesty. And I said, I have hormones. I didn't know that I had hormones and, and it was, it was a revelation, you know? So now when my wife says that I'm being hormonal, I truly understand what that means. But it was, it was, my point with that is, is that we, there's a, there's always a solution. And if I continue to, to push for that solution and seek answers you know, more than likely I'm going to find that solution. And I didn't learn that on my own. I learned that through, through Alcoholics Anonymous. I learned that there is a solution and that solution manifests itself in several ways. And in, in, in my life today, you know, and it's, it's keep, it's really, really, truly a blessing. And, and then now, uh, you know, this last week, I've been also working on a bunch of four-step stuff. And, 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 you know, thanks to my sponsor, I still have to do these things. I still don't understand why. I right? and I don't understand what the purpose, you know, sometimes what the purpose is. And when is graduation day? I guess is ultimately what I'm looking for. And, and, and again, it, it arrived, the solution and the information arrived when they're supposed to arrive. Don't ask me how that works. Um, the only thing that I really, really have learned in this program is that I need to be willing, you know, and if my sponsor or somebody indicates that I need to be doing something, I probably should be doing it. And again, that was kind of counterintuitive. When I walked in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I didn't understand those things. Um, you know, and through the four step, you know, this, this last week, you know, again, another revelation, you know, I still owe people amends for stuff that I had buried a long time ago, you know? And, um, I'm like crap, man. When am I gonna be done? When is this gonna be over? Right. Well, I, I hate to burst anyone's bubble, but you know, this is a, a day at a time program, and there is no really no graduation day um, that I have found in in my journey of sobriety. Um, I look at it now as as the opportunities to continue to grow, to continue to change, to continue to be a better husband, a better a better person, a better Member of Alcoholics Anonymous, a better employee, you know, a better friend, a better family member. You know, these these are gifts today that that I've been given in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's what I do with those gifts today is my gift back, which is truly, truly a blessing. You know, there's there's I heard this not too long ago, but, you know, you well, there's one place if you want to hide something from an alcoholic. You put it in the big book. Because no, because nine times out of 10, they're never going to find it, right? And and recently, I've been kind of going back over Bill's story, and I'm going to read with this to you real quick, and, and then I'll get uh, continue moving on here. But on page 14 of Bill's story, my friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly, was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me? Faith without works is dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For an, if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could su- not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink. And if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith indeed would be that de- would be dead indeed. With us, it was just like that. You know how a pain. Appallingly true for this alcoholic. I'm, I'm one of those individuals through these, pro, through in the program that I need to be of service. It's not that I can't, you know, sit back, attend meetings, think that I'm going to uh, be of assistance to someone, maybe shake a hand or two, and then walk out the door and think that, that my alcoholism is, is um, subdued for the day. Well, that's, that's not the way that my program works. My program works for service. You know, I love to be the greeter for, the, for our morning meeting. You know, for me, there's just nothing more than, than shaking someone's hand, looking at them in the eye and saying, welcome, you no longer have to feel hopeless. Welcome, you no longer have to feel pain. Well, no, uh, you know, welcome. There is a solution and we're here to be able to provide you with that. You know that's that to me is the gift again the gifts that these pro the program of Alcoholics Anonymous has continued to give me. Um, so now I kind of go back and start a little bit more about and fill in some of those holes about where, where I'm at today and the things that that I've got what got me here. You know, um, somebody mentioned you know that that the old timers and and those individuals they wear a suit. Well, my sponsor tells me that anytime that uh, that I'm going to. Have, speak that I need to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. And I do that by putting my best foot forward that, you know, and for me, that was, that was a challenge to be able to uncover because I always thought, and this is the way that, that, that kind of starts my story is that I thought that if the outside looked good, then the inside had to match. Well, let me tell you, I still had to have the, the Nike shoes, the San Francisco riding gear, the Levi's, whatever it was, you know, on the outside. But I was a person that was dying on the inside. You know, at 13 years old, I found out what MD 2020 tasted like. That was my first pint of alcohol, grape MD 2020. And I drank that and you know what? It made me feel invincible. I was this now, this new superhero, this person that I always wanted to be. You know, gregarious, outgoing, um, you know, and just confident. All of the things that I had been lack- lacking. You know, it filled that hole in my soul—that big old effing hole—and um, that was—and that was an amazing feeling. You know, never mind the fact that I woke up the next morning hungover, hurting, and, and in a delusional state of like what had happened because I didn't remember what had happened. Um, but I remember the feeling, I remember what that felt like. And that to me continued to spur and, and put me on a path to consistently seek that feeling. I didn't care about what I felt like the next morning, because I know I knew that by noon and, a, and maybe a drink or two that that feeling would go away. Right. Maybe maybe a couple glasses of water and and um, but I knew that that stuff, I knew that that feeling would go away. You know, I think about. That particular point in time, and I think about you know how I was brought up and how I was raised. My family was very, my family still is very loving, and they're wonderful, wonderful people. And my parents are still together. And you know, um, it makes me think of the Lion King where he's holding up his son, you know, and he's holding him up to the gods. And you know, I know that my parents, when they when they held me up, they didn't say, you know, someday he's going to be an alcoholic. Right, they had a lot more career aspirations for me than just being like, "Oh, that's that's something to look forward to. That's something to achieve." Well, when I started, when I introduced that alcohol into my system, you know, some things happened. You know, we talk about the phenomenon of craving. We talk about the obsession of the mind. You know, being a being a fair to mid range student, but having um, you know a lot of athletic talents um, coming through great or high school and junior high school. Um, all of those things quickly diminished in my pursuit of alcohol. You know, I no longer wanted to play football. I no longer wanted to play baseball. I no longer wanted to do basketball. I never wanted to do all of these things that, 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 that I had done through my formative years as, as a child. And I loved doing those particular things, but I couldn't go back to those things and be and have alcohol at the same time. You know, so something had to give. So my grades, my social life, my um, athletic pursuits, all of those took a backseat to my pursuit for alcohol. And that was an amazing thing. I wasn't was drinking primarily through the week, but I tell you what, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right when that drinking lamp was lit, there was game on. I couldn't tell you where I was going to be, who I was going to end up with, what bush I was going to be sleeping under and where was going to happen. But I knew that the next morning, you know, that, that I'd wake up and I'd be given an opportunity to be able to start all over again. You know, there will be times where I wish that I wouldn't wake up, you know, but that's more kind of later towards my, towards my alcohol uh, in my alcohol career. But, you know, that was, that was one of the great things about, you know, this journey. Um, you know, I got to be able to see those things. And then, you know, at 21 years old, I found out what, what a DUI is. You know, I rolled my truck a couple of times over this anyway, embankment and, um, and ended up in the hospital and then found out 30 days later that they can mail you a DUI and, uh, and give it to you. Yeah, for real. Yep. And so it happened, you know, so I get a, I get a, I get a DUI in the mail. And, um, I'm like, crap, right? So I go down and I, and I face the judge and I'm standing in front of the judge. And he asked, me a, he asked me an important question. He goes, how do you plead? And I said, guilty. And for the first time probably in my life, I understood what it was like to have a little glimpse of honesty. And it was like, oh, right. And so he said, here's what you need to do. And so, you know what? I, I went and did those things. Um, you know, kind of stumbling back on the whole honesty thing is that, you know, I, I remember growing up, it was one of those one of those words about, about that I didn't really understand. Honesty, you know, if you're honest with us, you won't get in trouble. You know, if you're honest, then everything is going to be okay. If you're honest, you know, and that was kind of the theme going through my life. And every time I tried to be honest, I got in trouble right? So I figured out that that was not going to be a viable solution for this alcoholic. Honesty was not going to be the best policy. So I grew up in it took that and, and, and manifested itself in my life as being like deceitful, dishonest, you know, all of those less than desirable character traits that, you know, people should have. And, and, and use those to benefit me because he had to understand it was about me. And I still have to, you know, there are still days today where I struggle with moments where it's about me. Right. And I have to continue to remember that. Um, but that's, but that was my experience with honesty. And it was kind of like, why would you be honest if you're going to keep getting in trouble? So, um, you know, I quickly, Divorced myself from that theory and and continued to kind of move down that path. Well, part of that part of that um, DUI checklist was for me to go to Alcoholics Anonymous and attend attend meetings and get this little lovely white piece of paper signed. Right, and so that was that was the conditions for me to get my driver's license back because that was my only goal. My only goal was to get my driver's license back so I could. Get back in my car, get a new car, and then continue on with my life. Well, you know, I, I did what I was required to do. You know, I sat in the rooms, um, smoke-filled cigar, a cigarette church basements, um, you know, doing what I needed to do. That was to get my my slip signed. Um, you know, after about a year. I figured out that um, I was probably not an alcoholic and you guys really didn't teach me anything in there at, in the program because I wasn't willing to listen. You know, I had my motives. I was there for a particular reason and that's all that I wanted. Um, So I continued to, so after about a year, I went back out and um, found out that life, life is still a a journey and and, um, that alcoholism just didn't leave. It was still there. That was another uh, eye-opening experience as I continued to go through uh, the next probably three or four years. Um, but one thing did happen in the, in those meetings: is you planted a seed. You planted a seed that I might be an alcoholic, and I remember looking at the little questionnaire that they gave you. Um, and, it, and there's questions on there. It says, if you have three or more of these potential symptoms or these potential things, right, then you may have a problem with alcohol. Well, I knew that if I answered three or more, then I had to be honest with myself that I probably was an alcoholic. So if I only got maybe one or two right, then I didn't have a problem with alcohol. So that was, again, a way of me continually trying to deceive myself into. Into being able to recognize that I had a problem with alcohol, but the seed had been planted, and and in order to um, remove that seed, I needed I needed to continue to drink. I needed to try and prove you guys wrong. Um, and that was, and that was in itself a, a journey that took me to some really deep and dark places Um, that, you know, again, waking up in hoarded situations. And, and I used to try and fill that hole in my soul with people, places and things, and I would do anything I possibly could just to make myself feel some sense of relief. And that was that was an adorable moment, Daniel. And so anyway, um, and, uh, and so that's, that was the opportunity that, that I had gotten was that, uh, you know, I learned to realize how far down alcohol can possibly take a person. I learned that it was uh, not an enjoyable journey. But I also learned that the experiences and the things that that happened to me um, during those years, I now have those opportunities to use those experiences now to help other people, which is truly phenomenal. You know, you wouldn't think that. what happened and waking up in somebody's bush or waking up in, you know, the front seat of a parked car, you know, with a vehicle running would be something that someone can relate to. But it tells me again in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous that that one alcoholic to another. Rarely is anyone going to be able to penetrate the thick skull up here. Right. Other than someone who has the same experience or the same that's experienced the same situations that that I have that I have gone through, you know, and it's remarkable today that, you know, that I still get to share those experiences with people who are going through those those things that are that they're happening in their in their life, you know, and and. um. I find myself a lot of times when I'm talking to someone on the other end of the phone or talking to them in person, I'm just laughing, right? Because I know what what it's like. And to them, this may be the most monumental difficult situation that they're going through at that given moment. And I'm, and you know, inside, and there's just a little smile on my face because I know that whatever you're going through right now, it too will pass right? Something better will come. There's a lesson to be learned in these, these situations. And if I don't learn the lesson, those situations are going to continue to repeat themselves. You know, I believe that today. I believe that, you know, that my God really does some, uh, some hilarious things to me. Um, You know, he puts me in situations. He's like, well, you didn't learn your lesson the first time. So let's go try this again. And so it's like, all right, here we go, you know, going down the same rabbit hole. And, you know, if I don't do something different or if I don't learn the lesson, I'm going to continue to repeat that, you know, and I, that is so true for this alcoholic. So true. Um, you know, that's why the steps are such a vital part of my life is because it gives me an opportunity to be able to look at those things and be able to examine my, my life from, from an introspective purpose And, and be able to talk with other people about, you know, the, the silly things that happen in, in in this world and be able to laugh at them today. You know, life is not that It's just really not that serious. You know, um, I got to learn those things. I got to learn those things in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and, and, um, you know, kind of fast forward, there was another bout of sobriety um, there for about three years in between when I, when I put the drink down for the last time, Um, you know, and I knew what the solution was. I knew where I wanted to be. I knew what I knew what I needed to do. Um, I walked into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I started to kind of reach out a little bit, Um, sat on the peripheral of the rooms, right? Those chairs that line the walls, um, I frequently occupied those chairs. Um, and, you know, if I was five, 10 minutes late for the meeting, that was great. You know, and if I didn't hang around afterwards, the meetings, you know, I was usually like kind of like the first one that was busting out the door. Um, you know, because I didn't really understand what it meant to be part of a fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. I wanted to be part of, I wanted to have that, that that um sense of belonging, that sense of friendship, because ultimately that's kind of what I craved. You know, um, that feeling like I could belong somewhere. Cause I was, you know, um and but yet I really didn't want to do anything about it. I didn't want to introduce myself to you. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want you to know who I was other than just kind of this figment who walked in um to different meetings, random meetings, and let alone be consistent at a meeting. Well that was another Uh, you know, abnormal thought that, that I had, you know, procured in my time there, um, that I thought, you know, if I went to enough meetings, geographically dispersed, then, you know, nobody would really get to know me, which was phenomenal, you know, and then I found this, found this relationship. Um, She drank, I thought I needed to drink with her. And so that's where I went. I went down that road, you know, again, finding that hole in my soul, filling it with something else other than, other than what, what I now have learned as being the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and had developed that spiritual relationship with, with, uh, with my creator spirit of the universe, you know, divine deity, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, that's one of the blessings that this program has given me today. And I really didn't understand that. Uh, my experience with, with formal religion was that, that, uh, you went, you sat in the church, you got to drink, the great, great juice, which I still didn't have an affinity for. And then you got to, um, you know, taste a little wafer cracker. And there you go. You were, you were, you were taken care of. You were healed for the day. And, you know, um, what I remember about those, those experiences is that I would look at in the rooms and I would find people that didn't suit, what I believed they should believe, right? Let alone that I didn't have any sense of what I believed at that particular point in time, but um, you know, the hypocrites in the pews. And, and, um, and I was like, no, nah, ain't for me. Right. And, and I can still do that sometimes in Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. I can walk into a room of Alcoholics Anonymous. I can listen to the fantastic shares and the stories and they're articulate and they're gregarious. And then, you know, I see them when they walk outside. And they're the first ones that are honking the horn and giving somebody the, you know, various sign language as they're as they're as they're driving down the road. And I'm like, wait a second here. You know, you're this spiritual guru that is sitting in this meeting. And then when you walk outside, it's like a complete transformation. It's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, right? And so I, sometimes I can look at that, right? Um, I could use that. I know me well enough to know that I could use that as a, as a moment to push myself outside of the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Because I know that about my history, my past if I can find something wrong, sometimes I'm like, I, I don't need to be here. Right. But I, but you know what, that's, that's sometimes still what happens in this twisted gray area, you know, this twisted noodle that's, that's mounted to my shoulders. And, um, and, um, it's, it's okay. You know, it's okay today. It's okay that, that I am still not still not there i haven't found graduation day um you know i still i don't even think i get a gold star on my paperwork anymore from my sponsor which is kind of which is kind of um you know disheartening you know from somebody who wants to be a, this super achiever um overachiever and um you know but that's not what the program has taught me you know it's taught me how to be humble And so, and when I came in back into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous in in September of two thousand one, something happened. Uh, I my last drunk was in a hotel room in Las Vegas, so you can only imagine what had happened precipitated the two or three days before I finally said, "I have enough." Um, Yeah, I can anyway remember our stories in a general way what it used to be like and so um you know i do remember to this day of rolling out of that bed hitting my knees and saying god help me i can't do this anymore i'm done i really am done you know and i spent a few additional days in in vegas um And then headed back home to my my residence, my location there where I was living in Southern California at the time. And, uh, you know, what a remarkable thing, journey there. You know, I, I knew that I was done. I knew that I couldn't do this on my own. I knew where the solution was. I just had to be finally beaten into a state of submission because for me, this alcoholic, you know, sometimes I don't see the signs. You know, sometimes I wish I was driving along and God would put, Don, go this way on a billboard. Right. And and and. You know, I would follow it, but that's not the way this alcoholic thinks. Sometimes I need to be in enough pain and be hit over the head with a two by four for me to get the message. Right. There's just that much thick gray matter that floats around in between these two ears. That some things just don't penetrate very quickly. And so, you know, again, um, I walked back into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, 926, 2001, Laguna Beach, California, the Canyon Club. Um, and man, first thing I did when I sat there, and I remember going into a men's meeting, and they said, Who are you? You don't know anything. Sit there, shut up. And listen, you're not going to tell us about sobriety because I had a few little things about sobriety. I could tell you, you know, I could recite phrases out of the big book and sound like I knew what I was what I was talking about. Um, But they didn't want to hear that. You know, they were there to help me understand that I had an ego problem, right, that I needed to smash that ego and become somewhat teachable. Uh, through that process, through the pain and through some of the, you know, the, the formative years of Alcoholics Anonymous, I truly started to understand what that, what that means, you know, for me to be teachable today. And I still thrive on thinking that I am teachable. Um, I still today think that I need to have the willingness that I had when I walked into these rooms to continue to carry the message. Because if I know, if I forget that day when I w- was so beaten in a hotel room in Las Vegas, that I can quickly push myself out of these rooms again, because I've tried that, you know, eight years, seven years, that about the seven, eight year mark. I started to I, you know, I figured out, Hey, you know, I kind of got this, right. I got this. I don't need, I don't need to be going to meetings anymore. You know, we're geographically moving all over the place things. And my wife, you know, life, life is going great. And, you know, not, 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 not for me. I'm doing pretty well. Right. Well, um, I would hope that you can learn from my experience once again, that that's a slippery slope for an alcoholic like me. Um, you know, and it wasn't until a few years later. Um, so there's probably about four years in there where meetings, 2005, 2010, probably five years in there, six, seven years, maybe more than that five, six, seven years, somewhere in there where, where I didn't, I knew I was an alcoholic and I knew I needed to stay away from alcoholic alcohol, you know, but, I wasn't doing anything to treat the ism, right? Those isms started to really manifest themselves during that particular period. And, and uh, God loved my wife. I have no idea why she stayed with, she's never seen me drink, but she's seen the isms in flow full blown effect that, that I can demonstrate at the moment, at the drop of a hat. And, you know, I can get pretty ugly pretty quick if I don't, work in the solution of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and so she's seen those things to me. You know, luckily she doesn't tolerate a lot of, of me anymore. Um, you know, and I think sometimes, I, and I can share that with you too, that, you know, my wife deals with us on a daily basis. So she's a police officer. And so she sees the dark side of alcoholism every single night that she's out and um man that's that's a wicked thing for her to view you know sometimes i wonder why her disdain for alcoholics is is so profound but then i also realize too that that uh you know she deals with the dark side of us she deals with the the horrible things that we can do to people you know she sees those things and um you know i I don't want to be that for her, you know, but um, anyway, so uh, that's, that's, you know, that's where the program took me in, in, in about 2000, uh, probably 10, 11 years ago, I was faced with an, a point where I had a, a decision and it was because of the decisions that I had made. I had put myself in a particular situation where I had basically two options and I knew what those were. I could go back out and drink or I could return to Alcoholics Anonymous because I knew that there was a solution there. Um, fortunate for me, I made the latter choice. You know, as I'm standing outside of a club wondering what I had done, where I had gotten there, how I had gotten there, you know, thinking about, okay, I can go in and have a drink or you know what, right around the corner, about two blocks, I know that there's a church and down in the basement at church, there's an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. All right. Um, so that's what I chose to do. I got back into the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, um, I got in the solution of Alcoholics Anonymous. I found the solution as I as I dove back into the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I understood what it was like now to reach out to people and to be to welcome them as they're coming down the stairwell. You know, to be able to say like, hey, how are you doing this morning? To be able to pick up phone numbers and start calling people again, you know, um, and to be kind of like resurrected in this, in this new way of life that, that is a wonderful experience. If you just give yourself a chance and stick around long enough, Um, you know, what a wonderful journey. I think I got maybe a couple minutes left here, but, um, and, uh. You know, what a wonderful opportunity, what a wonderful way to be able to experience life, what a wonderful gift um, that Alcoholics Anonymous has been able to give me. You know, we, earlier we were talking about anonymity, and, and it just kind of shows you today what, what the program has been able to do for me in, in situations where I work. You know, I work for the Department of the Army. I'm still in the military, serving in a civilian capacity. I spent 34 years in uniform. Um, Don't ask me how don't ask me, you know, the drinking culture within the military was phenomenal for me. It was a great experience. Um, I got to learn that, you know, we worked hard and we played hard and that's what we did. Right, And that was that suit me suited me to a T. I was perfect for that that culture, you know, and and the military continues to cater to that culture, you know, which is unfortunate, but it's also a very fortunate part for me because now I have an additional experience that I can relate to people that share that same experience. So when I'm talking with newcomers or we're going down to the treatment center and we're doing service work there, you know, I run into veterans and you know what? And it's like, I got you. I know what you're going through, right? I know what it's like, <clears throat> but, um, and I still work with, with a lot of those service members today, you know, the ones that are in uniform, which is, which is a gift again, which is a tremendous opportunity for me to able to share that, share that opportunity with them. And, you know, I get to see them, my, my battalion or my commander walked up to me one day and, and, and uh, he started to talk to me about, Hey, we have these people that, you know have alcohol problems within our formation i'm like oh sir i got you right i can help you with this right sir if in case you didn't know you know what um i'm a member of alcoholics anonymous and part of that is my opportunity to be able to give back to you and be able to give back to those individuals who need some help and And again, you know, I was thinking about that. as kind of like breaking that anonymity piece. It's like, well, do I do that? Do I not do that? You know, but, you know, for each one of us, it's a little bit different. You know, I had to gauge the circumstances and I knew that God put me in that place to be a useful member, to be able to use my experience, to be able to help other people who have what I like to call the gift of alcoholism. Right. Alcoholism today is my superpower, you know, and and it's wonderful. You know, I love that. I love that aspect of things. You know, I have friends here in the program who have all kinds of cool shirts and little freaking nitnoids and things about, you know, anime and LMNLP and whatever you want to call them. I have no idea. Right. But, you know, to me, alcoholism is my superpower. and, And I love that part of it. And, and I get to use that today to be able to help other people. And, and, you know, as it relates to those individuals, you know, today by me being able to be vulnerable and being able to give my identity up to be able to help other people, man, come on, that doesn't happen. You know, that doesn't happen by me just walking down the street um i get to experience those things today and that's an amazing thing you have to remember uh, military is a culture sometimes where i've had commanders who would be like i don't trust anybody who doesn't drink and i'm like well sir you know we're gonna have a big problem here because i don't drink so instantly this is going to set us off down that path where you know now i'm that untrustworthy worthy person well you know what that was his belief and you know he He might be in the program or he should be in the program might need to be in the program. Again, I'm not the judge. Right. I have God doesn't sit down and say, like, John, you know what? I need help judging people today. And, you know, he just doesn't say those things to me. And and, you know, if I can remember that I need to take a backseat when when he's driving, you know, that's a remarkable gift that I have today. You know, because when I'm driving the wheel, God isn't sitting in the passenger seat. He steps out of the vehicle because he knows that I'm going to do something really stupid if I'm put in charge of something. Right. And so whether that's a vehicle, whether that's in charge of my own personal life, whether it's in charge, of whatever it may be, man, you put Don in charge. Things may get a little bit hairy. Right. And so, you know, my God just steps out of the vehicle, lets me do my own thing. And then when when I'm ready to invite him back in, you know, he takes over the wheel which is another phenomenal thing that, that I've learned in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, so, you know, this journey has been a wonderful experience. It's been a tremendous opportunity about, you know, we talk, we hear it in the book, we see it all the time. It's about discovery, you know, recovery and, and being able to be of service, you know, and that's a wonderful thing. I, I dig treatment centers and I dig you know, therapy sessions. I still go to therapy sessions because again, those things are about discovery. Those things are about identifying things about me. But if you want recovery, you need to stay in sobriety. You need to stay in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous because that's where the solutions can be found. You know, and and one of my, one of my sponsor's favorite paragraphs in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and I'll conclude with this real quick. Um, Right there on the back page of a vision for you. You know, and thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share. Thank you for being here today on this wonderful holiday and, you know, blessings to each and every one of you as you continue this journey and your path. Because there's a bunch of people, there's 30 people in here that want to help, you know, and and that also have to do is just be able to reach out your hand. And thank you. Don Jay, thank you so much for your experience, strength, and hope. We were happy to have you at a Solution Seekers Beginners meeting and also on the podcast, Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. Don't forget to join Julie and I for our regular podcast, Two Sober Chicks. (laughs)